The analysis ends when you say it does. This is Overtime Open Line. Interviews, analysis, and your opinion. Overtime Open Line is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed, Reed Wilkins, Wilkins on, on Oilers, Oilers Radio. Radio. 630 Chad. Lucic almost catches Riddich leaving the ice. Sent it ahead for Nugent Hopkins. Back in front deflected. Oh, my Brody. A centering pass was inadvertently deflected home by T.J. Brody. And you talk about irony. From tidy to tense, the Oilers were cruising up 6-1 early in the third period. The Calgary Flames get four goals in just over seven minutes. It was 6-5 late. And then Ryan Nugent Hopkins, that was the goal with a minute one left. His centering pass accidentally deflected into the Flames net by Calgary defenseman TJ Brody. And the Oilers win it 7-5. They have won three of their last four. They have won six straight games against the Flames. That equals the most ever consecutive wins against the Flames in franchise history. They also beat them six straight times, two separate occasions in the 1980s. Man, what a game. The Oilers played uh, very well for the first two-plus periods. <coughs> Laurent Brassois led in a couple of really bad goals, helping to give the Flames some life, but the Oilers do survive. Thanks a lot for tuning in. It's 11:14 Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. I'm Reed Wilkins along with Rob Brown. Okay, Rob. Well... <laughs> <laughs> the the story the story changed a lot in the third period. Let's start with the the positives for the Oilers tonight and what allowed them to to build up that big lead and and be what seemed to be comfortably in control for a while. Well, I I, I think it started with a very good penalty kill to start the game. Uh, the Calgary Flames could have come out and scored the first goal and and really you know, sent uh, a message to the Oilers tonight in their first, they had a four-minute power play early in the hockey game, and the Oilers' penalty killing was fantastic. So that was good for the Oilers, and I thought the Oilers were very detailed through the first 40 minutes. The Calgary Flames were making the the silly mistakes, throwing pucks away, running into guys, each other on the blue line, not getting pucks in deep, turning pucks over, and the Oilers capitalized. So through 40 minutes, the Oilers did everything right, and then the third period came, and uh, it got exciting to watch. Um, I don't know if it was so much on the play of the Oilers or just simply a bad goals going in. And when you, your goaltender gives up a couple, and the two of them were, were, were terrible. Mm-hmm. And that just built momentum to the Calgary Flames, and Calgary just started rolling. So I thought the Oilers uh, did everything they needed to do through most of the game and just were done in by a f- couple uh, bad angle goals that allowed the Calgary Flames to have a little bit of belief. Yeah, Sam Bennett scoring from the icing line basically at 5.04. That made it 6-2. You're thinking, okay, big deal. Then Forleek gets a power play goal. Bennett scores again when uh, Chris Russell fell going back to defend yeah. that play. And then the other goal, like you said, I mean, Johnny Goudreau's a great player, but that shot virtually from the icing line again. I mean, the Oilers defenseman forced Goudreau wide, and he just puts it on net. Then Goudreau has a two-on-one. 30 seconds later, shoots wide. Then the Oilers take a penalty. Latestu gets called for interference. Mm, questionable, oh, oh, yeah. Okay, very, very but questionable. whatever the call's made. And uh, the Oilers do a pretty good job killing it off. The Oilers uh, killed off five of their six 
disadvantages tonight. Well, right after the the, the Flames had that two on one, it was six made it six five. They had a two on one and missed. I told you, I said that's it. I mean, that was the Flames' chance. They missed that one. They're not going to get another opportunity like that, and they didn't. The Oilers did a very good job on the penalty kill right afterwards. Uh, the Calgary Flames' power play did not look comfortable at all. The Oilers were very aggressive, forcing bad passes, forcing turnovers as on the entry to the to the zone. Um, this is a game that uh, the Oilers are going to be excited. They got the two points. It's going to be a game that there will be a lot of coaching with LB afterwards, where, where Dustin Schwartz is going to be sitting down with him because those are goals that you can't let in at the National Hockey League level. Now, every once in a while, one of those will squeak in, but you can't let two in in the same period. Two tonight and the Jack Eichel goal in Buffalo. Yeah, if you if you look at that, that was that was a longer shot. It wasn't from his down low, well, but it bounced off his body and went in short. And side. last game, more against Toronto was a poor goal, short side goal where he uh, was just bad angle. So we don't know how long Talbot is out. And oh, a LB, couple weeks at least. Yeah, and LB's got an opportunity here, but it's an opportunity he has to grasp. Or like I do believe LB will play next game. But this is back-to-back games with five goals against. Mm. You, you don't get. I don't think you get a third opportunity at that. No, you got to. I mean, I'm sure Peter Shirelli's looking in, you know, in a situation where teams know you're <laughs> you're desperate for somebody that doesn't make it easier to get a trade. You're, you're going to acquire somebody else who's either a backup or an AHL goaltender. Uh, I mean, I just brought up Calvin Pickard's stats because I know he's been talked about. He plays for the Toronto Marlies. He does have 86 NHL games, does have a 914 save percentage, had a really good year, uh, well, a couple of really good years for Colorado in limited appearances mm-hmm. recently in his his career. He was traded from Vegas to Toronto earlier this season. I don't know if he's available. I'm just saying it's a guy like that who probably has limited NHL experience, might be in the AHL, who who could be available. But but a, but a team's not a team with uh, two good NHL goalies and a good third goalie in the minors might not be willing to give up that third goalie because they may need him. Well, no, no, you're you're right. No, the, they do. The the Marlies also have Garrett Sparks, which yeah. is why I brought up Pickard's name. But. The the National Hockey League doesn't work where the fact that, you know, Edmonton, you know, you need a goalie, so right. we're going to give you one of our goalies just to make you guys feel better. Um, it, it, it My guess, it'll be on LB for for a while, and they're going to hope that he, he plays the way they expected him to play. But tonight, the first goal, we're, we're like, okay, how did that Bennett goal go? And we, I got up real close to the TV trying to find out where it went. And then, you know, five, six minutes later, Goudreau scores from the same spot. And those ones are demoralizing because the Oilers' defensemen played those perfectly. Mm -hmm. They forced him to the outside. They didn't give him a passing lane. They made them shoot almost from the goal line towards the boards. And there's two goals. Uh, Those are tough. And the, the good thing for the Oilers and for LB is they got a couple days of practice before the next time they go to play a hockey game, and LB can certainly work on those with Dustin Schwartz. So 7-5, the Oilers win it. Puglia Yarvi scored twice for Edmonton. He had a pretty good game. And the Japanese Village goal light is on on the Oilers page on 630Ched.com. You can go print up a coupon for a free appetizer at Japanese Village. Three locations in Edmonton, downtown, south side, and north side. We turn it on whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game. All right, you can reach us at 780-496-0063. We have Jamie on the line tonight. Hi, Jamie. Hi, Jamie. Are you there? I sure am. Sorry about that. You know, the one more point I want to start with right away and I'm not sure if this is going to resonate with fans or not but and it's a little detail because you know I want to just say first off 
I thought they played great as a team, and and the way that McClellan's kind of been treated, he's treated his players as everyone's together in the fight. And I just want to say first off that I I commend him for that because I think it's working. But the one point I I just want to make, and I'm, it's just a little detail, is you know the Kajula breakaway. He had Drysaddle right behind him. There was no one around, and he went in on his own. Like to me in the NHL, like even in rec hockey, if you have a two on zero, you you involve that player and you make a couple quick passes, it's in the net. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you on that one. Every coach in the National what? Hockey League will tell him to go on the breakaway. They'll every single one of them. Seriously? Yep, Drysaddle was behind him, so we would have had. They would have had to separate. But Rob, there was no one even in their vicinity. It but Drysaddle was Drysaddle was, was behind, behind him. Jamie. He wasn't they beside him. They weren't so? even. So he, they're not going to. You're not going to drop it. I, I'm, I'm going to tell you right now. Every single coach in the National Hockey League, every single one of them, right. will tell him to shoot Whatever. on that and hope that they I'm either scores or breaks. Be original. I don't want to regurgitate anything, and I'm just. No, I, I understand what you're saying, and and, and honestly, and, and if I'm playing rack hockey, I am passing it. If he was beside, if they're going in on two on zero, like Marlowe had the other night here, where they were both across from each other, yes. But this was a breakaway, and Drysaddle. If you watch, Drysaddle slows down to allow him to go in on the breakaway. He's like, all right, here you go on the breakaway. If there's a rebound, I'll get it. But he's got to shoot that. He cannot drop the puck. Oilers win at 7-5. They had four breakaways tonight. Latestu scored shorthanded. Kajula and Dreisaitl were stopped in the second period. McDavid was stopped in the third by David Riddick, who replaced Mike Smith after the second period. And uh, Riddick gave up the game-winning goal. We didn't think it was going to be, but he got crossed up behind the net with a couple of his defensemen. And Patrick Maroon just walked in, took the puck, and, and tucked it in. And it was weird on the, a few things. Now, there's a goalie change. It's an inexperienced goaltender who's coming in, and right away the puck comes in. So he doesn't have the uh, confidence to be able to make a play, and they also don't have the – the. they're not talking back there. And that one, I, well, obviously, we, we're in a, a little booth here. We can't hear, and we didn't have the microphones on them if the defense were telling them to move it or not. So they were crossed up. But the thing that disappointed me and would disappoint the coaching staff – is after he leaves it, he takes his time getting back to the to the net. He looks, you can see him looking back and seeing that Maroon was getting the puck. He's still, like, at that point, you're diving across. You're getting back as fast as you can because you just made a big mistake. He didn't do it. So a lack of communication and then, unfortunately, a lack of uh, urgency by the goaltender to get back to the net created what turned out to be the game-winning goal. 7-5, the Oilers win it. That means a $175 donation to the Juvenile Diabetes Research Foundation from Booster Juice, an oasis of freshness in a fast-paced world. Booster Juice giving $25 for every Oilers goal all season long. It's up to $1,925. We'll bring Darren onto the show. Hey, Darren. Hi, guys. Hello. Yeah, hi. Go ahead, buddy. Yeah, listen, I, I got a couple of points. I just wanted to say uh, a big win for the Oilers. Thank God we finally got a break. Uh, you know, a, a couple. Uh, the big thing I, I wanted, like the high-sticking Clefbaum got in the first period for four minutes, but Gaudreau gets to stay out there. You know, if he's bleeding, he wipes his mouth, and he gets to stay out there in a power play. I don't think that should happen. That That's the rule, though. I mean, there's nothing they can do. The blood wasn't pouring out. He had stopped it. They didn't blow the whistle down because he was bleeding or because he was down. The whistle went down because the net went off. 
So there's nothing the refs can do as long as the blood's not coming out. There's nothing the ref can do. I do think that I do think you make a good point though, Darren. Yeah. Yep. No, no, thank you. And the other thing, you know, I, I sound like a whiner, but I don't know how we're up 6-1 and dominating, but yet the penalties end up 6-2 for Calgary. Uh, you know, thank God the penalty kill was okay. We got a few breaks. Hopefully, well, Bressois, his confidence is up for the next game, and we better pick on Philly. Real quick, guys, thank you. Darren, you're finished the play. Don't hang up, okay? We want to give you an eight-day parking pass to Jet Set U Park, brought to you by Jet Set Parking. Park cheap and easy. Visit JetSetParking.com. Corner had it in his feet. Bouillardby knew it and flicked it over to Camilleri. Gets it back from Clefbaum. Camilleri slap pass down low. Waiting Maroon. Back door. Dry subtle back hitter save. Rebound. Bouillardby had an empty net and put it underneath the left pad instead. All right, Darren. Yes, he Pouillardby involved in that scrum there. What country is he from? He's finished. Absolutely. Right? Hang on the line. You got the prize. And Patrick Bauer will take your information. 11-25. Oilers winning at 7-5. Puliyarvi, we should talk about him. I mean, it seems like it was five days ago <laughs> when he got two goals in the first 15 minutes of the game. He looks He looks like he's he's coming on. I mean, he's, he's forechecking hard. He's more confident with the puck. And I know Jim Matheson got that quote from him after, uh, I can't remember if it was the last game or a couple games ago, but he says... Puliyarvi just wants to keep ripping the puck, just wants to keep shooting, getting as many shots as he can. Which is good when you have a guy like Connor McDavid making the passes. Uh, Puliyarvi knows what his strengths are. And what I liked about him tonight was his involvement around the, around the blue paint, that he's hanging out there. And that's where you score goals. He gets the first one, he's right by the blue paint, takes a, a fortunate bounce off the back, puts it in the net. Second one, he's standing right in front of the net, right in front of Smith. Puck comes in. I mean, it was a fortunate bounce, but again... You benefit from fortunate bounces if you're standing near near the net, and Pugliarvi was again. Uh, he, he had a strong game. He he understands now, and I think getting sent to the minors really uh, f- pushed the fact, and then when he sat out a little while ago, that he is not a guaranteed player to play in the National Hockey League. He's got to earn every start he gets. Every time he steps in the lineup, he's got to be better than he was the day before to guarantee that he's going to play again the next game. And he understands his opportunity playing with the best player on the team in Connor McDavid. And I thought Pugliarvi was very good tonight. He was picked the second star at the Saddle Dome. Sam Bennett, the first star. Johnny Goudreau, the third star. Rob and I give out the fourth star of the game for Missioner Allen Auctioneering. Check out meauctions.com for industrial and automotive sale dates. I mean, this one is as easy as it's ever going to get. When you're a sixth or seventh defenseman and you come in, you get two points and you're plus four, a career-high two points for Eric Greiba. I thought that the third pairing was good tonight, and that was one of the things you were worried about going into this game. Greiba and Ovita were plus seven between them, and Greiba had two assists as well. So to me, Eric Greiba is our fourth star. And he played 408 on the penalty kill. Which was huge. So they needed that tonight for sure. Yeah, he was good. And, and he's a guy, too, that needed a good game because he struggled in the game against Toronto. All right, we'll bring Cam onto the show. Hi, Cam. What's going on, guys? Not much. You guys college football fans? Uh, not really. Not really. I watched that 62-55 game, though. <laughs> that was something else, eh? What's on your mind, buddy? Um, so I was just going to say, I think Camilleri's going to be really good for us. What are you guys seeing right now? I just, I just, he's got a real countenance about him. Um, honestly, I, I think Jerry's still out. I mean, he, he's been a healthy scratch. Uh, he haven't noticed him a whole lot. I think he's got some upside. He understands the game. 
He's a, a professional and been a very good one for a number of years, but he, he's yet to prove that he's capable of playing top six or even top nine minutes here. I hope he. I hope he does. I hope he finds some consistency in his game. But again, he's on the back end of his career, and this is a young kid's game now. It's all about speed. Uh, he's going to have to do everything he possibly can to to be able to make up for the speed that he lacks now, being near the end of his career. So you 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 you're noticing a little bit. He's behind a little bit. Well, I, I mean, yeah, you don't notice him as much. I think he's very, very smart when he has the puck. He understands it. He has a shoot-first mentality. I think he can help your power play by being a shooter because he's got a willingness to do it. Um, I think he would... Games against teams that are fast, that are quick, are games that he's going to be challenged in. Um, I, I do believe that the Oilers have some faith in him, and he's one of the reasons that they're going with three different centermen on three different lines, because they feel he can fill in and, and be a contributor. But again, he hasn't got the full faith of the coaching staff yet because he has been a healthy scratch since he's been here. Thanks, Cam. Talk to you next time, buddy. Okay. That's Cam at 780-496-0063. Oilers get a 7-5 victory over the Calgary Flames. Yeah, I mean Camilleri back in. I, I, you know, I thought he did did okay. Yeah. Um, we'll see. Nathan Walker is going to join the team. He, he's more of a fourth line speed type guy. I imagine the Oilers will want to get him in. The, the, they're not going to probably want to wait too long before playing him. So we'll, well I see. Mean, I mean, they, they'll. And the thing is, you, you're not taking care out anymore. No. Carries. Scored again tonight. Not, and it's not just the, the offense, which is a huge bonus coming from your fourth line, but he's a big, strong, physical, uh, fast player that, that that gets involved. And he's. it's amazing that this is the same kid that we saw at the beginning of the season where he was tentative with the puck, he was tentative on the forecheck, um, didn't notice him other than in negative uh, plays. He gets sat out for a number of games, was it six, seven, eight in a row? comes back and all of a sudden he's got, he's got confidence. He's making plays in the neutral zone. He's beating guys wide, using his body, and then he's he does have a heavy shot. Um, he, we saw him score tonight where he gets it in the slot and a bad goal on Smith, but it was a heavy shot. And a couple other times tonight, he comes across the blue line, takes two steps and fires this low hard snapshot that I think startles the goalie a little bit. Okay, wow, that guy's a little bit better shooter than I thought. So, yeah, Kara's not coming out of the lineup. The fourth line has been playing very, very good. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Al hanging on. Hey, Al. How you doing, guys? Pretty good. Good, good. Um, I got, I'm a little bit concerned about uh, the Oilers certainly let their foot off the gas in the third period, no doubt about that. And uh, I, I'm just hoping that... Uh, they're going to be able to address the situation like that. It just seemed that when they had that uh, that six one six two lead, it was just like, okay, well, we can just sort of uh, you know kind of roam around and do our thing and uh, you know uh, sort of get away with it. But uh, you know they, they they should know better than that that they they got to play a complete game and then they're lacking that for so long. And maybe this will be a scare to them. And uh, I, I hope the coaching staff addresses that because I don't know what you fellows think about it, but I. I think they were lucky to get away with that game. Well, two you know? things. One, and, and Reed is, is really good at keeping track of these, but over the last couple of years, uh, when one team gets a lead, the other team always, the losing team always dominates because the, the or leading gets more or gets way more shots at the end of the game. And this one, to me, the Oilers weren't as good in the third period when they had the 6-1 lead, but this, and I, and I like LB, but this one was more on, on goaltending. 
I mean, two of the goals were just terrible. And that, I mean, the defenseman played the played it well. The, they, they did a good job defending at that point. All of a sudden, they give up goals. So most teams, when they have a big lead like that, they do back off. It's just human nature. Most teams that are down 6-1 don't want to embarrass, push a little harder. Uh, I think when it got to 6-5, after their two-on-one, the Oilers, was it Jack said, the last seven and a half minutes, Calgary had two shots on net. So the Oilers did get their game going defensively late. This one, to me, wasn't so much them completely taking their foot off the gas. This was a goaltender who really struggled in a third period of game of a game that was at one point well in hand. Yeah, I mean, they, they clearly weren't looking for offense as much. Obviously, once they were up 6-1, I mean, certainly you're going to sag back mm-hmm. a little bit, but I, I didn't think they were giving up tons of wide-open chances nope. or, or just being, you know, naked defensively. And like, like Rob said, two of the goals were from the icing line. And... Rob, I don't know if people were listening earlier. Where Rob mentioned, I mean, you were right up to the TV trying to figure out <laughs> how they went in. I mean, there were holes there that 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 shouldn't be there. Well, and also if you look at it, in the third period they had the others gave up a two-on-one that was a terrible play that Goudreau goes in that could have tied the game. Other than that, the the goals weren't they weren't giving up breakaways and all these scoring chances. Russell falls down. It was a two-on-two with a back checker. Russell falls down. That's just bad luck. Two goals from the goal line and one on a power play from, you know, a, a fair distance out. So, yeah, I don't... It wasn't that the Calgary Flames were getting these great, glorious scoring chances. They just capitalized on miscues by the goaltender. All right, more of your calls in a couple of minutes here. Back to Calgary. The guy who got career win 400 tonight, head coach Todd McClellan. Great. Oh, I saw them score too many goals. It's as simple as that. And, uh, you know, how did it happen? I think, one, our goaltender would like to have uh, a few of them back. Uh, but anytime you're saying that, usually you come out on the losing end. Fortunately enough for us tonight, we gave him enough run support and um, came away with the win. So we haven't won enough to be overly critical, but there's some things that we can still do better uh, in those situations. Is that something that can happen in a 6-1 game? Like in terms of just, you know, maybe not sitting back, but kind of getting away from what you guys do, did well in the first 45 minutes? Um, well, I don't even think the intent to get away from it uh, existed. It just, it happened, uh, you know, we fell on, on a two-on-two, gave them an opportunity, and like I said, some of the, the attempts at our net, I'm sure our goaltender would like to have back. So uh, there was enough poise on the bench uh, to get us through a, a tight situation, but it's something that uh, we'd like not to put ourselves in. Yeah, that's what the plan was, but obviously uh, they didn't go that way. And, uh, you know, the, uh, the the second one gets them going. They get one on the power play. Um, now you got to build in the fact that somebody, Chris Russell, I think, fell on the, on the one. So that can happen in the game, and they get some momentum, and away they go. So, um, but like I said, we, uh, we haven't won enough to be completely critical about a win. Uh, we'll take it. We know there's some things that we have to clean up, but we gave our goaltender enough uh, run support to, to come away with the victory. You needed a penalty kill. You made it 6-5. Well, no, we got it. Uh, well, yeah, we did. We got it late, and we got it early. You know, we were shorthanded for almost the first four and a half, five minutes of the game, so we got it then. Yeah, and that evened out the, their shorty, so. Um, it means I've got gray hair. 
That's about <laughs> it. Um, no, it's. It, I'll tell you what. It's an honor to be in this league, and um, 400 is a pretty small number when you look at what uh, some of the long-term coaches have got. And um, we've got a long way to go and a lot of work to do with this team. So it's uh, it's a small milestone, but um, I'm glad I got to do it with this group. Todd McClellan, 89 wins with the Oilers, 3-11 with San Jose. He becomes the 38th coach in NHL history to hit 400 wins. He'll remember this one, 7-5. The Oilers beat Calgary. They were up 6-1. Calgary got four goals in just over seven in just over seven minutes. Ryan Nugent-Hopkins got one late to ice it. Man, what a night tonight. More of your calls coming up. We've got to take a quick timeout. It's 1137 Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. That ricocheted into Furland's feet when he tried to center, was broken away, and now we've got a shorthanded breakaway. The Testu walks in on Smith. Rich shot score. 4-1 Edmonton. Mark Letestu, a shorthanded goal. Zach Cassian down and out at the other end, but Letestu has put the Oilers up by three goals. They would lead by five goals at one point, and they would win by two, 7-5. The Oilers take it in Calgary tonight. They have won six straight against the Flames. Mark Letestu scores a shorthanded goal in Calgary for the second straight season. Here he is. Yeah, it was uh, it was nice to get a lot of offense. Obviously, we needed just about everyone tonight. So uh, it's good to, you know, the last few games we've gotten contributions from just about everywhere. Uh, and last year, that was kind of one of our calling cards. So it's nice. Uh, to get a lot of offense tonight, uh, we'd like to tighten it up a little bit. You know, a little, little stressful there at the end, but a uh, win's a win, and, you know, we're not going to gripe about winning hockey games. What did happen there at the end? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're prideful over there. You know, they're a good team. Uh, this crowd gets into it, and you can tell they're really playing off the momentum. Uh, started throwing pucks from everywhere, got some bounces. Uh, but yeah, we, we got scored six tonight. Get the empty net or the I guess the seventh one. But uh, we needed every one. Uh, it was nice to kind of hold the fort after you know they got to the, within one goal. Uh, kind of buckled down, started winning draws, and you know made some plays when we needed to. What is it about this team um, facing the Flames? I think it's six straight. Now. Yeah, I, I don't know if we match up well. Uh, they've all been tight games like this, and you know I think if you ask the guys in the other room there, they're going to tell you these games could probably go either way. Uh, we've just been fortunate enough to be on the, on the right side of things here, uh, especially with the way you know our special teams played tonight, uh, giving up a shorty and then another you know PK goal. Uh, you know they pushed hard, but uh, we held with it. Um, killed the penalty though in the third when you needed yeah. a, when you actually needed a penalty kill. Yeah, and that's you know the percentage kind of be damned about it now. Uh, it's about the next kill. Uh, and I thought we provided momentum early on with that four-minute kill, the short-handed goal. Uh, you know, they get that goal in the third, but when we needed the kill, we got it. And I think that's what's important. And when you're 31st in the league, you know, you can't be looking at your percentage. You just got to kill that next one. And, you know, the guys stuck with it and, and got the kill when we needed it. Well, and that's the adjustment of the game for the Alberta College and Association of Chiropractors. If it hurts, see a chiropractor. Visit albertachiro.com. <laughs> Timely penalty killing for the Oilers. Last PK in the league. coming into tonight. They do kill off 5 of 6 this evening. They beat the Flames 7-5. Along with Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. It's 11.44. Thanks for joining us. Our open line is 780-496-0063. We have Scott on line 3. Hello, Scott. Uh, How are you guys doing? 
uh, thanks for taking my call. I just wanted to talk about the Oilers goaltending. Um, now, we can't really fault uh, um, Talbot for last year because he stole so many games for us and everything. But he's, uh, if you look at Brossard, they they almost look identical in that. Um, they, As far as I'm concerned, um, they're almost like too far back in the net. And I know that it's it, we've gone to a butterfly goalies 90% of the NHL. Um Rob, do you think that these guys should be coming out a little bit more? And if you, I know you mentioned Buffalo game. We didn't. You didn't mention the St. Louis game where um, Talbot was on his knees and the puck came around. Yeah. The, well, well we've talked that. about that one in the past, though, Scott, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, and again, again let me ask, sorry, go. Let me ask you this then. Um, we've got a, a goaltender coach, uh, Jaden Schwartz. D- uh, Dustin. D- Dustin Schwartz. Dustin Schwartz. Okay, yep. I don't know nothing about him. Where did he come from? He was a U of A goaltender. NHL coach in our ranks. Yeah, he, sorry, he was he was a U of A goaltender. He was the goaltending coach for the Edmonton Oil Kings, and then when I think it was Freddie Shabbat, yep. they when they let him go, they promoted uh, Dustin up from from the the Oil Kings, and he's been here since. So. Uh, I know that his work ethic, Dustin's, is incredible. Again, I, when it comes to, to goaltending and teaching goaltending and things like that, I, I would never say one way or another because I'm, that's not my forte. And I, I know that Reed had Kelly Rudy on the other day, and that's who should be answering these kinds of questions because I, anything yeah. I say, it's just based on me. I, I don't have the professional knowledge of that. I know that Kelly told Reed he was he doesn't like the way that a lot of the goalies nowadays play because they go down because they're deep in their their net. But again, um, what you're seeing and what I'm seeing, we could talk about it. But we're just two dudes here talking about goaltending that we really don't have the the the, the background to be able to say what is right and what is wrong. But I understand what you're saying. And after seeing tonight's game and the goals that went in, something's got to change because the 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 one goal. Brassois actually is looking. He's like, I'm in perfect position. Well, yeah, he wasn't how in did positioning. The, how did the puck get past me? Yeah. So there was something off that he doesn't understand is off because he felt he was in the right spot. That's just being too far back. Yeah. Yeah. Well, but I, but I would, I, I don't mean to argue with you, Scott, but like that Bennett goal, you're just supposed oh. to stand there and hug the posts. Like that, that, yeah. that can't go yeah, in. I mean, was. he, he was in the right spot for that one. Yeah. Yeah, but but you're right. There's got to be changes that are made because he's has not had a very good start to the year, and by the looks of it, he was going to get some ice time now for the next few games. And you're not going to win hockey games if you're giving up five a night like he has the last two games. All right, we'll bring Chris onto the show as well. Hi, Chris. Hey, how are you guys? Pretty good. Good. Uh, my question is kind of a, a general one about uh, what you think about Chiarelli and what he's done in the off season, and and if I could just make a couple comments like the Strom trade, Jokinen, no backup for uh, Talbot, no cover for Sekera, and and to me the most important is this is when you're paying McDavid three and a half million and the window closes like next year. In my mind, that's that's the whole thing is like it's terrible and and at a time when I, I'm not up for having another crappy team as an Oilers fan. That's it. Thanks. 
Yeah, well, several things there. I mean, we there's some stuff we've talked about. Uh, I, I think definitely backup goalie was, was a question. Certainly, uh, I think uh, you, could, you could perceive it as a risk bringing Brassois back as the backup, and now now that is, is paying off. I, I don't buy that for a second that there was a Band-Aid for Sekera. Like, well, Sekera's one of the top 40 defensemen in the NHL. Well, and you're with, not going to get a cheap guy that does what Sekera But did. with Sekera, the, the worry was Benning and Nurse, and they've been good. If, 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 if Larson and Clefbaum played to their capabilities the way they were supposed to to start the season, we wouldn't have had to worry about the injury of Sekra because right. Nurse and, and and Benning have been everything they needed to be and not, and more to the point where Nurse has moved up as your number one pairing. So bringing someone else in was to try and alleviate a Benning or a Nurse. Well, they've been good. Clefbaum wasn't. Larson wasn't. And that's why the Oilers were in trouble. So it wasn't you need someone because Sekra's gone and Nurse and, and Benning aren't going to be good enough. They were good enough. If the other Oilers defensemen played as well as they could have, we wouldn't be having this conversation. Strom for Eberle, I, I think we all knew what the risk was no. there. I think we all knew Ryan Strom wasn't going to score as much as as Jordan Eberle. Um, so, I mean, that 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 is what it is. Shirelli, I asked Shirelli the first question about the trade in Chicago at the draft, and he said it was mainly made uh, to free up some cap space, and that was more so, I think, for Dreisaitl this summer. So, look, I mean, that's... I mean, he made a tough decision there. And I'm not I'm not defending Peter Shirelli because I think absolutely, criticize, criticize away. That's the type of job he has. And they haven't won enough, so there's going to be more criticism. Uh, I, I mean, my number one concern was where was the depth scoring going to come from? It has not so much recently. It has been a weakness this season. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the Jokinen, I mean, whatever. He spent a million dollars on an experienced guy. It didn't work out, so he traded him for Camilleri. I mean, that's... But should he have gotten something more? Fair, fair enough. Yes. Should have you ever tried to acquire or swung something with Vegas for maybe a depth scorer who yep. can play on your third line? Ab- absolutely. Yep. Because that, you that's and I, fair, that's that to me, that's the biggest criticism. Yes, and that's what you and I rated at the very beginning of the season. The, we thought the biggest weakness for the Oilers was going to be depth scoring on the wings. We didn't think they had enough. Yeah. I don't buy this. I mean, I understand what people are saying. McDavid's cheaper this year, but I don't buy this. Well, this was the window. This was the year the Oilers have to win the Stanley Cup or it'll never happen because McDavid's going to make more money. I mean, McDavid's going to be an Oiler a long time. Some teams are going to be better than others with with him on it. I mean, Sidney Crosby won a Stanley Cup early in his career. Then he went through injury troubles. Mm-hmm. There was actually some questions for a while about how much, if at all, he'd play again. Mm-hmm. Then he had some teams that weren't deep enough, and now he's won two Stanley Cups in a row. And he's, he's the greatest thing ever. And I'm not saying let's wait 10 years until we evaluate what's going on. because But I'm, I, I, I just don't buy this, well, there's only so much of a window. You know, you can only win when your stars are making a small amount of money. I mean, that guys, that's flat out wrong. Like, if you're going to call in and say that, that's, that's flat out wrong. Go back at all the Stanley Cup champions and look at what, it's, what it's some of the stars have making. It gets possible to have high-paid guys and to win. Well, I would hope so, or it would be kind of silly to give some guys high-paid, well, right. high big contracts because you, you're done. So, no, I agree. I think that there's some moves that could have not be, panned out. Could the money be used? Sure. Could the cap space have been used? 
fine, whatever. That that's that's a valid argument. But I don't think I don't think it's this year or bust for the Edmonton Oilers. I hope Let's not. Let's be realistic here. I certainly hope not. Kyle on line six. Go ahead, Kyle. Yeah, how y'all doing tonight? Good. Uh, kudos to both of you for taking calls and listening to all the complaints and all that. I, I think the owners will be fine. That's just a couple points I want to make. Uh, they're a little loose on that. Got to take care of that goaltender area, though. But uh, you got to remember, they, they're missing their top two defensemen here in uh, Secker and Larson, right? Yep. So the, those are the top two main guys that... that they're missing out of the lineup, so that that that's that, that's huge. I mean, and 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 those goals, you, you can't blame them for those goals. I mean, you've seen where Goudreau shot that goal, so I th- I think the orders will be fine. I, I think they're going to make the playoffs. They started tough, and I'll tell you, I'll tell you a franchise that I feel sorry for right now. I don't know if you've seen the Islanders, but the Detroit Red Wings. Yeah, they got work tonight, 10-1, as we take a look at the Advantage Trailer Rental scoreboard. Montreal pounding the Red Wings, 10-1 tonight. Other action, it was the Canucks over the Maple Leafs, 2-1. Wild beat the Blues, 2-1 in overtime. The Lightning knock off the Sharks, 5-2. Penguins beat the Sabres, 5-1. At Rogers Place tonight, 14,122 teddy bears. Oil Kings snap a 12-game losing streak, 4-1 over the Prince Albert Raiders. U of A Golden Bears win again. They're 15-1 in Canada West play. They beat the Mount Royal Cougars by a score of 4-2. And we'll go back to the phone lines and bring Fred in. Oilers beat the Flames 7-5. Go ahead, Fred. Hey, how's it going, boys? Good. You know what? A loss tonight would have been detrimental. It would have been nine points behind the Flames. So we've got to look at the positive we won tonight. But uh, can you name me one team in this league that has a solid one-two punch and goal? One team. Like absolutely 100% One team. Just time. one team. I want one team. That's all I want. Uh, um, honestly, I, I, I can't think of one right now at all. I mean, there's, there's some backups there's who are better. Than, than others. Yeah, but you're right. I mean, the, the last time we saw... Is there? No, I mean, the last one we saw was when Matt Murray and Fleury were together last year, and that was just a matter of time, and they couldn't keep both, and I don't think there's a team out there right now that has uh, a 1A and a 1B. You know what? I just I don't like the new style of goaltending, to be honest with you. Martin Broder used to stand up, and uh, he's a pretty good goalie, was he not, Rob? <laughs> uh, yeah, he was pretty good, and so was <laughs> so was Wah, and so was, well, when I played, they were all stand-up goaltenders, but and they I were just kind of goal- timber down. The goaltending is weak nowadays, if you ask me, for the most part. Like, there's just, I don't get how they're teaching these guys anymore. Quit flopping all over the place, stand up. Uh, I don't know. I'm not a goalie either, so I guess I shouldn't be uh, too critical. But you got to make those saves. This is the National Hockey League, man. Well, those were a couple tough ones by Brassois tonight. No doubt about it. Thanks, Fred. Uh, just finishing up the uh, NHL scoreboard. Penguins over the Sabres 5-1. Capitals beat the Blue Jackets 4-3. Hurricanes 3-2 over the Panthers in overtime. Arizona blasting New Jersey 5-zip. Predators beat the Ducks 3-2 in a shootout, and the Stars beat the Blackhawks 3-2 in a shootout. That's your advantage. Trailer Rentals out-of-town scoreboard. Oilers winning 7-5. 14 of the Oilers' 18 skaters got at least a point tonight. Milan Lucic, the top producer with a goal and two assists. Jesse Pugliarvi had two goals. Eric Griba had two assists. We'll bring Tony onto the show. Hi, Tony. How's it going, boys? Pretty good. So I have a couple of questions for you guys, and I don't mean to sound like a Debbie Downer like some people are tonight. Um, so 
the one question I have is, yeah, Brislaw is our star, star because it's how it's in. But to be honest, do we is it for us to make the playoffs or even while Talbot's injured? Do you trust L- LB to either smarten up and read the play, or should we look at Ellis as a starter? And there's a guy that just went on waivers today, uh, and he used to be an Oiler, Brian Davidson. Do you think that we should drop one of our defensemen right now because they they're lackluster at the moment, and maybe pick him up? I think when you go about Bersois, Bersois will start the next game. I don't think his leash is as long. And if he struggles next game, then I think you'll see Ellis in the one after that. Honestly, okay, just to cut you off, Rob, yep. I honestly think if Bressois has another tough game, I, I think he finds a goalie. Somewhere. Well, he's going to try. Yeah, actually, I, I wouldn't he's be surprised. Already I, yeah, I agree right now he's looking, but if they can't, then, I mean, Bressois' leash is very, very short. As for Brandon Davidson, no, I don't think they pick him up. I don't. All right, we've got Adam on the line as well. Hey, Adam. Hey, guys, thanks for taking my call. Um, I just wanted to point out that I think that Todd McClellan has finally got the forward lines right. I mean, this is the best uh, combination I've seen all year long, finally putting McDavid with Pulley Listen, the guy's got the only speed on the team that can match up with McDavid. He's your blue-chip prospect, and he's got an all-world pass. They're going to feed him the puck. Uh, match me in heaven. Uh, like I said, I just think that each line has a strength. Number two, yeah, I, I heard that. Uh, I think it was Bob asking Rob Brown earlier whether Ellis or uh, Brassois should start. For sure, Brassois. Mm-hmm. He has another stinker, five-goal night. I think you got to put him on waivers, but you have to give him this opportunity to try and, and resurrect himself here because this could be damaging to his uh, to his NHL career. Well, I think Take absolutely. Yeah, I, I think you got to give him a chance to practice for a couple days. They'll be off Sunday, practice Monday, Tuesday, and and look at video and, and look at positioning about how some of those shots went in and focus on correcting stuff. Uh, I mean, yeah, I don't think you can just say, okay, you know, we're going to throw in our, our third string guy. As for the line combinations, good point, because uh, we've taken a lot of calls about that this year. I, I think, Rob, there's... I think Todd McClellan was exasperated at some points in the season trying to find combinations, some nights even just one combination yep. that would work. Uh, and I think you have to give some of the players credits here too. We talked about Jujar Kara. He's been playing well. Yes. Cassian now has at least a point in four straight games. He's picked up his game a little bit. And and then by by extension, Latestu has, has looked better because he's got a couple fast guys on his wings now. Uh, I think Kajula is looking a little stronger checking-wise and getting after the puck, so I think that's helped Dreisaitl and Strom. And, ab- and absolutely good good for Puliyar mm-hmm. to grab the opportunity. That's a great point by the call. Well, the one advantage they have right now to be able to move this three centermen and go with three different scoring lines, Puliyarvi wasn't up here. Kajula was hurt. Mm-hmm. Um, Slepeshev, who's hurt again, but has been hurt. And they had Jokinen instead of Kamilari. And Jokinen wasn't capable of playing. He just didn't have the speed or or, or the doesn't think the game is right. fast we'll anymore. We'll see how it goes with yeah. Kamilari, but So we'll see. So there, there's more options now to make it, uh, to try and have three lines. Um, and hopefully this will continue to work. Uh, again, everything is a small sample size. But right now, uh, offensively, they've been fine. They just need a save. They get a save, then they can have a chance to put a little run together, and they need a run. Robert, Derek, Zach, and Jack up next on the open line. You'll also hear from Patrick Maroon and from the Nuge. Oilers win 7-5 in Calgary. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. 
This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line. Now, from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center, Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. Here's a turnover by goaltender Riddich, and it's tapped in. Beautiful backdoor read by Patrick Maroon. Took it off Riddich's stick and backhanded it home to greet the relief netminder. It is now 6-1 Edmonton, and Maroon has the goal back that was taken away in the first period. Patrick Maroon's eighth of the season at the time, a minute 29 into the third period. It looked like a little bit of gravy. Turns out to be the game winner. The Oilers survive a Flames comeback attempt and win it 7-5. Back to Calgary, and here is Maroon. So, uh, what was, it, was it just a matter of trying to m- match their desperation and just couldn't get there, or what was I thought that? The first five minutes, we were on them, got dump pucks in, got the four check, and then... They got one, they got two, they got three, they got four. I mean, I don't know. I, my heart skipped a beat there for a second on the fifth goal. But you know what? We got two points, and that's a huge sign for us. Uh, we scored seven goals, so just got to clean up the defensive zone, I guess. That goal you scored was a retribution for the one that they didn't give you? Oh, I don't know. I'm glad. glad I got it back, though. I didn't think that was a kicking motion because I was falling through with my stick, but that happens. But all in all, I'm just glad we got the two points. You guys battled hard tonight. I thought that was probably the best 40 minutes of the Edmonton Oilers played all year. Um, I thought the first five minutes of the third period really good too. And the last, after the power, after the penalty kill we killed, I thought we, we stood our ground and we played another good. So I think the first in between, I would say the 10 minutes they had their stand, I think that's all they had all game. So I'm proud of the guys that battled. I'm glad LB battled hard and got his first one tonight. So just hopefully we're, we're turning the right direction right now. Well, there have been some some good signs for the Oilers. I mean, I would think the last two periods against Toronto and the first two periods tonight would be their, their best four-period stretch of the season. And then, uh, as he mentioned, Calgary had a little bit of a push there, a couple of tough goals against Brassois, but the Oilers do win it 7-5. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, thanks for staying up. It's 12.06 in the a.m. It is Sunday, 780-496-0063. We have Robert on line two. Hi, Robert. Robert, can you try again here? We can barely hear you. All right. Maybe check that connection there, Patrick, because we're not hearing Robert, but we'll go to Derek. Hi, Derek. Hey, how's it going, guys? Pretty good. Good. Uh, just uh, you guys are throwing out names with Kelvin Vicker. To, uh, I'm from Winnipeg, uh, diehard Oilers fan, but uh, how about Michael Hutchinson for the Manitoba Moose? They've been rifling off. I think they're like they've won eight in a row, and his stats are. He's got about a nine forty save percentage. Yeah, that's an interesting one. It, 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 I'm the, just the, checking how many NHL games he's played. The thing is, with with any goaltender, teams don't give away goaltenders just because someone needs one. Oh no! And so I, I, I once, yeah, it'd be that'd be a nice addition, I guess. But are they willing to give that player up, knowing that they could run into goalie problems with injuries and stuff as well? Yeah, yeah, that's the thing. Michael I mean. Somebody right now who's up at the club. Yeah. He's their young prospect. They won't give him up, but No. Uh Hutch would have to clear a waiver, so I'm sure that's why they didn't bring him up to play while uh Mason was hurt. I but I, I guarantee you him a sixth round draft pick. Yeah, I guarantee you right now that Peter Shirelli has got a board in his hotel room going <laughs> over every goaltender there's a possibility of getting 
at this time, at this point in the season. Whether he pulls a deal or tries to pull a deal is uh, still up in the air, but it's a very, very short leash for LB, and we don't know the full extent to what's wrong with Cam Talbot. They say two weeks, but it could be anything. So I think they also have a little more inside information as to how long he's out, and that'll also dictate what and what what and when they do something. Yeah, I mean, I know people have asked about Andrew Hammond, Chad Johnson. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't think his stats are very good this year. I mean, Pickard's yeah. been Pickard's has some has had some pretty good runs. Now again, and also then you have to think: Do you want to add a contract? I mean, would you try to send a contract back, and then it has to be somebody that that team would want, right? Like you're not going to give them. Okay, would somebody take Brad Malone for about just throwing a name out there? Would somebody take Brad Malone because they're getting they're getting player? a contract too, and you only have so many contracts right, allowed. And if they look at their depth chart and say, "Well, Brad Malone's going to be our seventeenth forward," and we never we would never call him up. I mean, that's, those are all the things that go into. But Derek, okay, thanks for so here, th- here's here's the thing. What what happens if LV gets hurt? Then, then what? Well, then you might. Yeah. Well, you're right. I mean, you're then right. we're going to see how good this Ellis kid is. Right. Which which I I believe he's got potential. I've heard he's. I mean, he played well in the preseason. I've I've heard good things about him. Too, so. But yeah, but are, it's one of those. Are you going to risk your playoff hopes? No. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Peter Shirelli right now is uh, he is going through every possibility that is out there and seeing how it could fit in with the Edmonton Oilers. Yeah. One, one, one final thing. I'd, the uh, the Jets are in first in the Western Conference. Yep. Right? So this is what I see playing out, and I'd love to see it. Because when was the last time we saw the Jets and the Oilers play? 80. I want the Oilers to grab the last wild card. Yeah. And the Jets to finish first. <laughs> They were they're a pretty awesome. good series back then. Lots yeah. of fun, lots of skill in those series. Thanks, Derek. We appreciate it. We have Jack on the line as well. Oilers win 7-5. Hi, Jack. Hey, hey, how's it going? Good. Um, so I was just going back to the backup goalies. I was wondering, like, around the league, who do you think uh, Shelley would target? Well, I mean, we've thrown some names out there. You know, Hammond, Pickard, uh, you know, Hutchinson. These are guys who have some NHL experience. I don't. I don't know if he'd get a team's backup, Jack. He might get a team's third goalie, like I said, who has some NHL yeah. games under his belt. And another point: uh, with how well Kara is playing, and they want to get Walker in, who do you think comes out? I don't know. That's a really good question, mm-hmm. actually, because we were kind of touched on that earlier. Maybe they don't need to rush to get. I mean, let's 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 be realistically, but let's be realistic about Nathan Walker. First of all, he's 23. He's played seven NHL games. We still don't really know what he is. Alan May, I had on Inside Sports on Friday, who covers the Capitals and said he skates fast, he's tenacious, you know, but he's played seven NHL yeah. games, and Washington took him off the penalty kill. Now, Alan May says that's because Trotz doesn't like to trust younger players. Who knows? Um, he's a depth player that'll play when there's injuries there's or, or players are really struggling, but he's not a guy that... The Oilers are looking to get in quickly because they need him. He's a guy that's just, he's a depth player, and that's all he is. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if Camilleri comes out eventually and you bump wingers around. I, I don't think you're doing anything right now because the Oilers have won, what, four or five? Is that yeah, what it is? Three of their last four. Three of their last four? So they're not doing anything right now, right now with their lineup. They're not putting some kid in that nobody knows anything about. And Slepeshev's still hanging around, so they'll try to get him back in yep. at some point, I would assume. I would, I would have him ahead of Walker in the depth chart. Zach on the line. Hello, Zach. Yeah, how's it going, boys? 
Good. Hey, well, uh, you took my point right before there. That's three or four. I'm pretty happy about that, really. I was, uh, oh, I don't know about that game tonight. I mean, I was so enjoying those first two periods, and then I just saw them strolling, strolling around there in the first half of the third. Uh, but uh, uh, as far as Brassois goes, you know, I don't mind this kid, you know. Uh, I've got, uh, I can remember... Jersey used to let in uh, uh, one lousy one every game, and then and then he would always shut the door too, right? I haven't seen Brissouag uh, shut the door, but and I've seen him let in a few lousy ones. But uh, you know, I like uh, for the most part, I like what I see, and I think a lot of his his uh, problems are correctable, right? Everything seems to be slipping in either under his arm or just past his blocker, and. Uh, I don't, I don't know. I hope, I hope he gets a good run of games in here. You know, he's won a couple, uh, you know, in that Toronto game shoots. I mean, he kept us in there in the, in the first period. One slightly weak one, but uh, other than that, you know, I, I thought he's seen a pretty good goaltender there for at least uh, 40, 50 minutes a game. Yeah, appreciate it, Zach. Well, I mean, like Rob and I said, he'll he'll practice, he'll he'll work on stuff. You got you got to give him a chance to to correct it. I think any athlete mm-hmm. wants that, Rob, regardless of what, what sport you're playing. Uh, those were concerning goals tonight. And I don't think with Brassois, the problem is athleticism. I mean, nope. he can physically, and Zach referenced some of those saves against Toronto, specifically Marlowe in the first period, Matthews in the third period. Mm-hmm. I mean, Toronto was starting to celebrate on the bench. I mean, he quickly got across and got his leg out and stopped those. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't because some goalies you, you see them or or players where you can just tell you know they're trying, they're doing what the coach wants, but they're they're physically overmatched. Yes. I mean, some guys just physically as hard as they might try aren't able to do it. I don't get that sense with Brassois, but you got to cover these holes where ones have squeaked in. Well, yeah, he, he's got the size, he's got the agility. Uh, it comes down. I guess there's the mental aspect of it. There's the the mental side of it with the knowledge of where he has to be reading plays. I, I, there was a really good one a couple of years ago where Jonathan Quick said, "If I'm ever diving, it means I'm I'm not in the right position. It may look easy. It's because I work so hard reading the play. I know where the puck is going to go, and that's a, a veteran goaltender. So younger goalies aren't going to be as good, but it's something. If you want to stay in this league, you better learn it pretty quickly." Understanding where you should be, when you should be there, when you should move one way, how do you hug the post, when do you come far, when do you back up? These are all things you got to know, and you work with a goalie coach. And it's tough, obviously, when the backup goalie, you don't get as many opportunities. But when you get your opportunity, and right now LB's getting it, you better show you've got something. And the last two games, there's been flashes, but a big, a big save uh, doesn't make up for the weak goal that goes in. Because the weak goals are the ones that kill you. Three goalies played tonight. Brassois stopped 29 of 34. Mike Smith stopped 22 of 27. David Riddick stopped 4 of 6. Well, the last one, too, it, it's funny. The um, the announcer, I think, was it David Rond- Randorf was the guy doing the game? He said, and it's an empty net. And all of a sudden you look and it's like, well, the goalie's in that. What is he talking about? When they showed the replay, he had, how do you say, Riddick? He'd started to he'd, go. He'd gone, and he was racing back to the net. Well, and Jack referenced that, too. That oh, did he? Out and then back in. Yeah. Anyway, but it's funny, as he probably should have gone to the bench. It would have been easier on his goals against average as he goes back in and doesn't get the opportunity to make the save because it goes in. And, and again, we, we talked about 
how bad Chris Russell took the other day for shooting at his own net. Well, tonight, again, this was a play where uh, a defenseman, Brody, Mm -hmm. puts the puck in his own net that seals the victory against them. So it happens, and it happens more than you expect. Oilers take it 7-5. We'll bring Sean onto the show. Hello, Sean. Hey, how's it going? Pretty good. Good. This first-time caller from Red Deer. Cool. And uh, I just uh, want to comment that's been driving me so nuts about Cam Talbot, and not just him, but goaltending in general, is you know when the shot comes 25 feet out, based off dot out, how they drop to the puck, drop to the knees, sorry, and then the puck goes over your shoulder. That play absolutely just drives me crazy when I see that. You know, uh, that's just the comment I like to make. Well, I mean, that's just that's the way they're taught nowadays to play. They're all yeah. t- they're all butterfly goalies, and they take the bottom of the net away because it's harder to hit the top corner than it is to sweep it along the ice, right? Uh, yeah. yeah, shooting, yeah. But I mean, like you come out, you know, outside your crease, shots coming from twenty five, thirty feet out. Why don't you just stand on your skates? Well, no, true, but who who do you think the best goalie in the world is right now? Oh well, you know, I, I, there's lots of goalies really. Okay, well, like goalies. So, to me, really one good goalie. Well, to know? me, to me, the best goalie in the world is Carey Price. And he plays oh, well, the same way. And Jonathan Quick, and he plays the same way. They all do it. It's just this. Yeah. It's whatever is successful for one guy, everyone emulates it. So they all play the same way, just some are just better at it. Yeah, it's a good yeah. question, Sean. No, you're right. I'll have to try to get more goalie stuff on, yeah. on Inside Sports this week, maybe, because... The only, only reason I mention it, because you know, I play goal for a long time. I've been watching the team since the start, because I've been watching almost 40 years. And, uh, you know, it just, when I see it, it just drives me crazy. Well, but don't you and, think it's a better yeah. style now when they would stand up and try to kick their skate out and time it <laughs> for when the puck came? Oh yeah. In, you know? I don't mind being on. I don't <laughs> mind playing the Jonathan Quick style. You know, in the inside crease when the puck's in tight, like you know the trajectory of the puck, it's a little harder to score. But it, that coming out of the net and then dropping these for the shots there just. You know, just bugs me. Yeah, appreciate it, Sean. Have you? Have we had? And, and I guess not. We have you had on your show, Jamie McLennan, lately? Not, not recently. You should get Noodles on here and talk about that. Talk about the different goalie techniques. He'd be very good. It's twelve eighteen. Oilers win seven five. Time for a couple more calls. You'll also hear from Nugent Hopkins, who got a goal tonight. Canadian Brewhouse overtime open line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. Live from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Center. This is the Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line on Oilers Radio. 6.30 chair. Kara wins the faceoff back to Darnell Nurse. Walks the line. Waits and dishes to Chris Russell. Power play over. Rich shot score. Juchar Kara has made it 3-1 Edmonton. It'll be an even strength goal. And Kara continues to light it up on the fourth line. Yeah, he's playing well lately. That was his third of the season. Made it 3-1 Oilers late in the first period. The Oilers would build up a 6-1 lead and win 7-5. Calgary got four goals in just over seven minutes in the third period. Nugent Hopkins got a late one to calm everybody's nerves. Reed Wilkins, Rob Brown, it's 12-23. Thanks for tuning in. Edgar's on the phone line. Hello, Edgar. Hey, thanks for taking my call. Yeah. So, I'm uh, I'm not one to hammer on, on the refs or anything, but I have a question for you guys. When is a call a call and when is it a non-call? Um, watching the game tonight, I see that uh, the penalties were lopsided, but that it is what it is. I'm not on the ice. I'm not watching like the refs are. But I see McDavid get taken hard into the boards, and then I see him get dumped in front of the net with no calls on that and that late hit. 
was pretty hard. And then I also see right after that a, a suspect or, or questionable penalty on our defense. And uh, it, I'm just curious what the decision-making process is down on the ice when when something that is uh, an apparent to, to me viewing mm-hmm. from where I'm sitting in front of a 65-inch screen TV, um, whether it's late or not, a penalty is a penalty. And, and I just uh, I just see so many games, whether it's the Oilers or whether it's uh, another team playing, where the, the refs seem dictate the play of the game if a team's down well then the other team's getting some questionable calls on them it seems to me edgar before we get into that i have a question for you if you're going to get a 65 inch why not just spring for the 70 Didn't well here's the, here's the deal my young bride my young bride got that for me so i didn't have much choice yeah he actually answered the question edgar you're well, a beauty. in That's all a honesty your your tv's way way bigger than the one that we're watching here in the studio so why don't we do all our shows from your house we can all watch it we can all complain about the refs together edgar i, I well i'm not really complaining i, I was oh, no it's a good it's a good no it question. is like, well these, first in in the game the, the the oilers had five guys get penalties and, and the flames had three so it was closer than yeah. than it than it it looked. Clefbaum got a double minor, but it was yeah. that was a one penalty where there was blood, so you had to give him four and minutes. Russell yeah. shot the puck Absolutely. over the glass. So That's a penalty. Now there's always, I do believe referees um, ref the score. I really do believe that. And it, from when I played, uh, if one team was winning badly, uh, they didn't get any more power plays because the refs usually don't want the game to get out of hand score wise. Because if it does, then it gets out of hand physically. So they start refing it that way. If a game's out of hand, they want to get the game done quicker. Um, they, they also, a lot of times, if one team gets a bunch of power plays, you can almost say, all right, and the other team's getting the next power play. It's, it's almost automatic. When McDavid is on the ice, you could practically call a penalty every time he has the puck on his stick because there's always a stick around his waist, around his hands. Uh, there's a little more physical on him. I think referees, at that case, they're trying to make the call on the big one okay that one we have to call now none of those things are right or should be but that is the way it is and it has always been um so yeah and 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 i can tell you this too when you're watching a game and you've got a vested interest in it so if you're an oiler fan and you're watching the oilers play you notice more bad calls against you yeah whereas if you're watching yeah if you're watching anaheim versus san jose and you'll say all right yeah the ref he did a good game because you have no vested interest yeah no i i say man them guys got away with that i don't get it yeah no that's a good point and edgar you this is a really good call and i know you're you're not you're i think you're talking about hockey in general i mean i actually thought mcdavid got tackled with about 20 seconds to go in front of and, and so did Connor because he looked up at the ref. What, and that's that's what I thought too. And that you didn't know, matter at that point. Bad enough, but to get to get brought down like that, I mean, a call is a call. Was there's twenty seconds? Well, you're right. And but that there is the ref refing the game. He's like, okay, twenty seconds left. Let's just get this thing over with. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I got two quick points left. One, sure. I'm curious as to what what is the repercussions to the refs when they call a bad game? What happens? There? Well, every ref, every game is is watched. There's people that are discussing what they saw. The referees get talked to, and the the bottom line is the best referees make the playoff cut, and they're the ones that do the playoff games. And yeah. each round, the better referee moves on. So uh, they're they're being judged each and every time they ref a game with the goal of being good enough to play to ref in the playoffs. Yep. Yeah. And my next point quickly was uh, Jujar. 
I've always liked him. He's got the size, and I was glad to see him come on board. Um, I was also glad when they sent him down, and look what it did for him now. Yeah, he's doing well. Well, he was, he was scratched. He was, yeah, he was scratched six games. Came back, got hurt yeah. for a couple. He's been doing well. And and I I don't know if you heard the pregame interview with Latestu because I asked Mark about Jujar and Latestu said he's much more confident with the puck. And that's when he played last year. He would often fumble the puck, put it in the wrong area. He know he knows where he has to go. He knows where the puck has to go. Thanks, Edgar. Yeah. Okay, thank you for taking my call. Yeah, good stuff. Good phone call. Very good. Good question about the refs. And you're right, Rob. I think if you're watching, if you're an Oilers fan, it's a 50-50 call. You want it made when the Mm. other team commits it. You don't want it uh, when it's against the Oilers. But I, I didn't. I wasn't a fan of that interference call on the test, too. No, I thought that was a bad call. But it's also a nervous point in the game. Yeah. You didn't want the Oilers shorthanded. Robert's on the line. Hey, Robert. Hey, Jimmy. How are you doing? Good. Yeah, okay, well, well I, have a, I have a couple points. My first one just be on the plan for Toronto. Obviously, he had a couple bad goals, but I mean, it's early in his career and how many goals, you know, you know, didn't have a few shaky starts. Robert, Robert, I'm really sorry, but we can't hear you again. So I don't think we have a good connection there. I'm really sorry. I think he was talking about the goaltending, mm-hmm. but I, I hate to do that, but I just don't think that call was call was coming through. Oilers win 7-5 over the Calgary Flames. Nugent Hopkins had his 10th of the season tonight. Here he is. Change from what maybe happened in October. Um, I think our resilience right now is really good. Um, uh, other than tonight, uh, we've been down in every game uh, for the past three, and uh, the way that we fought back has been a really good sign for us. And um, something that we did really well last year, uh, we wouldn't just give up and uh, go away. And um, that's something that we got to continue to do. But um, if we have a lead like this again tonight, we want to be able to. Uh, still play solid and uh, we shouldn't change the way that we play just because we're winning. You were here for some of the tough years against the Flames in this Battle of Alberta. Now it's six consecutive wins against Calgary. I know there's not an easy answer but just talk about some of the success and the way you guys have been able to take care of business against them. Um, yeah, no, it's, it's been a good streak right now and uh, we want to keep that rolling. Obviously divisional team and uh, uh, the natural rival- rivalry with uh, um, with the Alberta uh, thing there, but um, we take pride in these games for sure, and um, we come out really hard, and uh, it's it's a good sign for our team. So a little tougher, a little closer than it needed to be. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There's no doubt about that. I mean, um, we got to find a way to just uh, be able to put teams away. I mean, um, there hasn't been a ton of games where we've been up, uh, especially that much, but uh, this season. Um, but we still need to do a good job and. I mean, bottom line is we, we did come away with the victory, so I mean, you can't dwell on it too much, but can learn a lot from that game. Yeah, I mean, just, uh, yeah, just, uh, I mean, they probably had a couple that uh, were fortunate for them, and uh, the one at the end was uh, fortunate for us. So um, things do even out, but um, like I said, we got to find a way to be stronger at the end there and uh, uh, not give them any life. Um. <laughs> Oh, I mean, you, you definitely take a peek at the clock and see how much time's left. I mean, um, that's just natural. But um, I, I thought when it was 6-5, we actually did a pretty good job of shutting things down. We actually tightened things up again a little bit, and um, we can take a positive out of that. But uh, definitely, like I said, can uh, still learn from uh, that third period. 
Ryan Nugent Hopkins helps the Oilers survive a furious Flames comeback. It was 6-1 Edmonton. And then four goals in seven minutes and 16 seconds for Calgary. It was 6-5 Edmonton with 7.40 left. They had a 2-on-1. They had a power play. The Oilers hold them off. Nuge gets a late one. 7-5 is the final. Oilers 11-14-2 on the season. They try to fight back. They try to hang around in the playoff race. They're six points out of a postseason spot right now. Their next game will be against the Philadelphia Flyers. We'll have that for you on Wednesday. 5.30 face-off show. The game will start at 7. Thanks to Patrick Bauer. He's our studio producer this evening. The executive producer of Oilers Hockey on 6.30 Chet is Sid Smith. This has been Canadian Brewhouse Overtime Open Line from the Osmond Auctions Broadcast Centre. On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. 7-5, the Oilers have won six straight against Calgary. Have a great night.